Hello and welcome to the Add a Zero Business Podcast. We've made it our mission to inform, educate and inspire a million business owners to add a zeros to their personal disposable income so that you can buy the home of your dreams, enjoy extensive exotic holidays with your family and fall back in love with your business by the lifestyle and freedom it now rewards you with. I'm Jay Allen, your host, and this is episode 13. So, you're a business owner dedicated to the significant and sustainable growth of both you and your business. Welcome to the Add a Zero podcast. In this episode, we'll cover how I saved one client £229,000 a year in just eight hours. I'll share how we realigned all of their activities towards the goals, visions and values of the business. How we reviewed and then revised their pricing to ensure that money wasn't left on the table. And that we overhauled their customer service to ensure that their customers understood who they are, what they do, why they do, and turned many of them into raving fans. And finally, how empowering, redistributing roles and responsibilities completely remotivated a group of individuals and turned them back into a winning team. It's all part of our mission to help you to significantly and sustainably scale both you and your business. Let's get started. Before we start working with any client these days, we invite everyone to conduct our Add a Zero Vulnerability Audit. Obtain a free, in-depth, bespoke report on the scalability of your business. It's a set of 30 NPS-style questions, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about X, that we've engineered from the research that we've done into what causes businesses to fail. So we can understand as to exactly whereabouts the business is now on the vulnerability scale compared to where they want to be and needs to be in order to be able to hit that accelerator button confidently and be able to start growing and scaling the business. And on this occasion, we'd invited the clients to complete the survey and the results of which showed us that there were some real great strengths in the business but as in many other audits that we've conducted, that there were a number of areas, that there were vulnerabilities, that there were weaknesses, and that there were at risk as a business, that if they continued to accelerate on their strengths, that the weaknesses would actually cause cracks and crevices in the business and potentially cause it to implode. It was far more important for us to be able to start with the client, helping to identify these, understand what they were, and how to be able to overcome these, to be able to have a solid base camp on which we're able to grow the business. So having conducted the audit and conveyed a phone call with them with the report and the results of which, it was agreed that I was going to come into the business for one full day and sit with the senior leadership team, the management team, and discuss the report and look at means in which we could start to implement change in order to be able to shore up the the risks and the difficulties to allow them to have a far more solid base camp on which they were going to grow. And it started 
by looking at their goals, their vision, their values for the business. We identified that the current success plan was more of a survival plan and hadn't really given any real considerations to the scale or of the intended future exit of the business owner. It was more a firefighting crisis plan focused on day-to-day operational requirements. There was no real planning beyond either this week or this month. It was all more reactive to what was happening in the market. And every time we had a discussion about this, it, it started with, well, you know, with recent times or because of COVID or when they announced Brexit, there was always a reason or a justification as to why they felt it inappropriate to have a more significant and sustained plan of action that they were working towards or measuring themselves against. So the first point of call was to be able to sit and establish as to what does success look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste and smell? And how, how do we define success for you in your business? We need to have a real good understanding and clarity with regards to what does success actually mean for you in your business in real terms? So we can then start to look at, so what are the actions that we're taking in the business that are having a direct impact on that success? You see, there are so many business owners that are in the busyness of business as opposed to understanding that business is there to deliver results. And unless we can attribute every single action towards the results that we're aiming for from the business, then the chances are we're just busy fools. They had little real knowledge of the demographics or psychographics of their current clients. So they're unable to market effectively to either them or others like them. And yet, once we'd started to identify the needs to be able to have a far greater understanding of who their current clients are and the impact that has on their vision and values, we can then start to ensure that all of our marketing and branding activity is geared towards attracting more people like the types of clients that they want to work with. And ironically, starting to repel some of the people that they don't really want to work with either. It's only when we have a really good understanding of exactly who our ideal target client is and how many of those we already have within our client database of people we're already working with that we can start to really tailor our marketing message and our PR and our branding towards attracting more people like that. So we spent some time looking at their marketing plan and looking at their current demographics, their current CRM and their current customer base to get a far, far better and deeper understanding of exactly who was their ideal target client and what attracted them to work with us in the first place. What was it about us that they found so appealing and what do we need to do to extenuate that and to be able to share that with other people like that to allow other people like that to be more attracted to us. Once we'd completed this piece of work, this alone added more than £36,000 worth of additional revenue to the business within weeks of implementation, and ironically, the majority of which came from their current customers. We were able to tap into exactly what it was that their current customers were looking for, which gave many of them more confidence to come back more frequently and spend more money each time that they did. 
And then it enabled us to be able to take more testimonials and more case studies to demonstrate to another demographic similar to that of their existing client base how good we were at doing what we do and start to attract more people like them. However, one of the other things that I'd noticed from the survey is they'd fallen into the same trap as I consider with regards to pricing. We asked a series of probing questions around their pricing policy and it quickly became apparent it revolved around remaining competitive against a local direct competitor and so demonstrated that they didn't have a comprehensive pricing policy at all. Their sales skills failed to acknowledge people's buying habits and didn't take any advantage of either upsell or cross-sell or sequential upgrade opportunities. Now this didn't surprise me as our research shows that more than 88% of businesses get their pricing strategy completely wrong. So many simply compare it to everybody else and simply aims to fit in. So the next piece of work we did was to understand the profitability of the business, to be able to go line by line through every single product and service that they offered to understand exactly where the profit margin was, what products or services were the most profitable, which customers were the most profitable, and how to be able to tailor the needs of the clients towards our more profitable services or products in order to be able to ensure that every single team member knew and understood the profitability within the business and how to ensure that their time was allocated accordingly. We completed a full price analysis and found opportunities to amend, package and repurpose many of their products and services which immediately added an additional £3,750 a month in sales from their regular clients. However, we also identified that they didn't have somebody dedicated to looking after sales within the business. To date, they had a number of inbound inquiries from customers old and new, and there were many people within the team that were responsible for responding to inquiries, which was great. But there wasn't a designated outbound sales role. Somebody wasn't designated to winning new business. It was all reactive to the marketing activity that they had and responding to the activity that they got from that. So although we'd identified the need for a new member of staff, a sales manager, and we established that in order to be able to get the right person, we needed to be able to have a significant income and package to be able to offer them, once that experienced sales manager joined the team, they added an additional £51,000 in the first six and a half months of being there and had every intent of being able to generate £120,000-£140,000 worth of additional revenue in the first 12 months that they were on the team. We then turned our attention to customer service and the delivery of products and services to our existing clients. Using the research that we've got and having surveyed over 115,000 SME businesses as part of our Ada Zero business research, we were able to establish and to define that their customer service was at best average and had no measurement or management applied to it at all. 
it was often left for the customer to contact them with little outbound customer engagement other than a very salesy weekly e-newsletter. We quickly identified that there was no opportunity for real customers to offer real feedback or if it was it wasn't being documented or revised or amended or adapted or taken into consideration when new products or services were being offered. There was a great opportunity for us to be able to get a better engagement and understanding of our current customers simply by engaging with them more frequently and regularly and asking for their feedback and guidance without automatically trying to sell something else to them, particularly through a badly branded um, weekly e-newsletter that was just full of offers. So we applied our customer experience module. We've got a 13-step module that we take all of our clients through over a period of weeks to be able to truly understand as to what it takes to be able to build some real loyalty from our current customers. And we were able to increase their loyalty value more than 200%, resulting in more than £71,500 worth of additional revenue in the first year simply by having a better understanding of our current customers and their needs, requirements and wants. But almost more likely to reduce customer attrition rate. We'd also noticed that there were many customers that were joining the business and buying from them and yet at the end of the first year's contract weren't renewing. And I wanted to understand as to what do we need to do differently in the first 12 months to see some residual income coming from a client, to know that we've got them for a second and third and fourth year and we continue to be able to deliver real values to them that they see the benefit of. So how do we reduce customer attrition rate, increase lifetime value and add loyalties to boot? And we were able to do all of that by implementing our 13-point customer service and delivery module. Eventually then, we turned our attention to their team. To find many of the people in the company were unaware of the role that they played and how it contributed to achieving the company's goals. They were more akin to filling a role for a salary than seeing it as a progressive career opportunity. There were some people in the business that had operated there and worked there for over 10 years and yet when we had conversations with them in the crew room or over a coffee, they were unable to tell us as to what the company vision was or values were or what the mission was for the business. They didn't necessarily have a, any real understanding about what it was that we tried to achieve. They kept always referring me back to, oh, you'll have to go and speak to one of the managers about that. I just do X. And this is the problem with small businesses per se. I've had a long, long discussion over many a year now as a member of the Federation of Small Businesses that realistically we ought to change the title of the organisation from the Federation of Small Businesses to the Federation of Growing Businesses. Because you see one of the problems when employing people within a small business is that they genuinely believe that that role is what they were there to do. They've taken a job description, they've looked at it and said yes I could do that and I'm happy to receive the salary that you've offered me to do that job. And that's it. They'll do a 9 till 5, preferably a 9.30 till 4.30, and possibly take longer than expected for lunch, to be able to fulfil the job description that you gave them. 
And because they don't see the business as a growing, thriving business, they don't see any career potential, they don't see the opportunities to be able to move into line manager or team leader or or some form of general management in the future, there isn't the progression of a bigger business. They accept the roles and responsibilities and the job description that you first gave them. And as long as they meet that requirement, they don't see any other necessity to be able to do anything above and beyond. We started by interviewing some of the managers and team leaders and employees. And we were able to identify what to do in order to be able to build a dynamic team of positive people, all working to smash personal and business targets. We re-engaged the team. We ensured that once we'd done the vision and values work, that we could spread that message throughout the business to get some buy-in from everybody within it and to understand that collectively we could all build a bigger business, a bigger future, a bigger opportunity for ourselves and our loved ones and our families and our community. We could turn this small business into a big business with a small team. And collectively, we can have so much bigger impact, not only on our own lives and our salary and our opportunity, but also on that of the people around us. By having achieved this, we also determined that alongside a new um, sales manager, um, a new role of the sales manager, we were going to also take on someone in a full-time capacity to manage the HR and training requirements of the business. We were going to look at the team and determine as to what did they really need to achieve? What do they want to achieve? What were their aspirations? And how can we be able to manage those in a way that's aligned with what the business is trying to achieve? So we took on uh, a junior HR training um, training role in order to be able to look after the people within the business. I can't tell you as to how many times I've said to people that when you look at the salary and the payroll each month of a business, your people are your greatest asset. And yet why is it that we don't look after them as such? Why is it that as long as they're doing their job, we don't think to invest in them? And it's only by investing in our people, by demonstrating that we have an invested interest in them and what they want to aspire to and achieve, that we can get more from them. So we put somebody in place to be able to identify their current skill set, their current potential weaknesses in the business. And we created a training program that enabled them to be able to grow both personally and professionally to support their needs and that of the business. Now, again, this has created an additional salary for the business and therefore there's some further outgoing. However, this is to manage the new workload in enabling the business to continue to scale. Now, to put this in summary, this was done over 12 months. We did the first audit about 13 months ago now and we've been working with this client quite continually now over the last 12 months, supporting them to be able to implement all of the different identifiers from the audit as to where there were potential weaknesses in the business and what needed to happen. And as part of our Add a Zero business challenge, we've got 176 different questions, methodologies, 
um, systems, processes to be able to support businesses to be able to grow, all dependent on how they respond to those questions about where they are right now within the business. This is not a off-the-shelf solution that's buy it and try it. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's very much a case of let's complete the audits together to understand as to where you are, where the strengths and weaknesses are within your business, to identify where the weaknesses are and then shore those up to prevent them from being weaknesses as we start to hit the accelerator and move from first to second to third to fourth gear and start to really see some acceleration in inquiries and conversions and sales and growth. So 12 months later, an additional revenue, this is not the existing revenue, this is an additional revenue that can clearly be associated with the application of the add a zero scale vulnerability audit and then subsequently to help support coaching and mentorship that we've provided in implementing the add a zero business challenge. An additional revenue of £229,000 per annum. Now, admittedly, we have taken on another couple of staff and that's created some additional costs of around £50,000 to £51,000 a year. But that's still a net growth of over £178,000 per annum in the first 12 months of implementing the Add a Zero Business Challenge. So I guess the question that you're likely to be asking right now is, yeah, but how much did they invest? How much did they spend with us in order to be able to see that type of investment, that type of return on their investment? Well, you'd be surprised to learn that because we are the ethical coaching company, that we don't charge a percentage of whatever it is that we generate. We have a set of fees that are transparent and shared with everyone. They're available to see on the website and we, we don't hide anything of our costs. But we firmly believe that once we've covered our costs, that the hard work that you do in your business, that you ought to see the reward. And therefore, in this instance, the investment with us to be able to help support and mentor them through this was just over 7% of the net growth that we helped them to achieve. As you can see, our Add a Zero programme isn't a sit around the boardroom table and sell you a whole load of corporate buzzwords. It's a physical, practical, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in type experience that is all encompassing of the holistic business model and providing some practical actions that can be implemented immediately to see marked improvement. In fact, transformational change. But I'll be honest, although we have yet to work with any client who has not significantly and sustainably grown, both them and the business, we acknowledge and appreciate that not everyone gets such great results. Now, it is typical for us to find that whilst business leaders are busy trying to grow their business, they're so close to it that they don't take time out to review the impact this is having. Not on the action itself, but if it is making a significant impact to their vision, their values, their mission. Last week, I just completed an audit for a small manufacturing business based in Manchester. 
they're around the 2.1, 2.2 million pound turnover mark, with a team of around 38, 39 people and a relatively loyal following. And yet within 90 minutes of beginning the audit, we'd already found an additional income stream availability worth around 80 to 85,000 pound a year. What's more, that wasn't just a one-off find, it was a potential ongoing find if they chose to implement. This client hadn't booked our full audit, which includes interviewing key members of staff and determining their strengths and weaknesses and how this impacts on the business goals. And so we'd only allocated half a day to conduct the Adder Zero holistic business review and audit. However, by the time we'd finished, they themselves were so shocked that within an hour's meet, we'd found around 3,000% return on investment of the amount that they invested for us to come and do the audit and the audit summary. And this was before they'd actually implemented anything of the 15-page bespoke reports that we provided them with them as part of the survey. You see, the fact is, whether clients choose to commit to our full Adder Zero mentoring programme, where we help and support them to implement all of the things that we find within the report, or they simply ask to be able to conduct the report and then choose to implement some of the things themselves. The fact is that since we've created this audit report and started to offer it, more than 8,000 clients or customers or businesses who have taken the audit have significantly and sustainably grown both them and the business as a result of implementing the findings of the report. I can't tell you as to how exciting it is to be able to share that we've found something that enables business owners to identify the weaknesses within their business and then a guide, be that either the report that they choose to implement themselves or by coming on board as a customer and inviting us to be able to help and support them implement the findings of that report and what to do and how to analyse along the way, that we've seen more than £17 million worth of additional revenue generated just over the last two or three years since we've started to implement the Adder Zero more commercially. And that is what the Adder Zero Business Challenge is all about. You'll see in the footnotes that I've already given you a link that you can take your scalability audit right now. It's completely free to take. It'll take about five or six minutes to complete. And as a result of that, you'll be receiving a fully bespoke and quite in-depth report based on our findings and measured against over 115,000 other surveys to look at the current scalability and vulnerability of your business. And then it's down to you. You can either choose to take the report and do nothing with it, and best of luck to you. You could choose to take the report and look at the findings and start to implement some of those yourselves. Or like many of the business owners that we're now working with, you might choose to come back to the originator of the report and invite them to work alongside you for the next 12, 24, 36 months as we implement the Adder Zero methodology in your business and see the scale unfold. I really look forward to being able to share the report with you. So don't forget, click on the link in the footnotes and find out the current scalability or vulnerability of your business.
I'll be back in a fortnight's time to talk to you a little bit more about how to add a zero to you and your business. Take care and I'll see you soon. That's all for this episode. As always, we really thank you for listening and welcome your comments, thoughts, and suggestions. So please do drop us a line by emailing podcast at mytruenorth.biz. And don't forget, if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to this through. And tell your colleagues and business network all about who we are. You've been listening to the Add a Zero podcast presented by Jay Allen. Brought to you in association with My True North, the UK's leading ethical coaching company. 